Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akidinol, founder of Leading Australian Podcast Agency and 2021 Australian Podcast Awards finalists, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way, pursue your passion, and why there's really nothing better. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. In the entrepreneurial game, taking a break can sometimes seem like the worst business decision. How can you keep the vehicle moving if the wheels come to a stop? But here's the thing, peers. Sometimes the best ideas and the best versions of ourselves have a chance to breathe when we take our foot off the gas. No one knows this more than today's guest, Liam Hardy. An elite football player turned entrepreneur. For Liam, it was taking a break as a teenager that reignited his passion for the sport and later his passion for business. And while he's no longer competing as an athlete, he is now the CEO of a Swedish startup that's helping to change the world. More specifically, his company, Selfian, is working on the clean energy transition. In today's episode, Liam shares the power in pausing, why we shouldn't overthink the small things, and why the best people won't always be the easiest to work with. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials, or if you're new here, firstly, welcome. And please do take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story, and tag us at The Peers Project that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs and help us in our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome Liam. Liam. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Of course. You know, you and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the incredible work you're doing in the energy and the manufacturing space, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. 
Oh, no problem. Thank you for the invitation. It's uh, much appreciated. And uh, yeah, look forward to being here. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So my name is uh, Liam Hardy and I'm the CEO and co-founder of a startup company in Sweden called Selfium. And uh, at Selfium, what we're doing is that we're developing uh, new bio-based materials for clean energy devices. Uh, for example, it's uh, and our core product is something that's called an ion-selective membrane. So this is basically the central component that's used in a range of different battery technologies and a range of different hydrogen technologies, which are going to be sort of used in the backbone for the energy transition. So uh, the company established around just over a year ago now, and uh, it's a spin-off company from around three research institutes in Sweden. Uh, so we and there's been around 10 years of research that led to the start of the company. And um, around oh, around a year ago, we, we began to see that there was a very large potential for this. It's going to sort of a growing market. It's There's a need for kind of sustainable materials coming into the clean energy transition to make sure that in 25, 30 years time, when we look back at how we've transitioned from fossil fuels to renewable energy, that we've done it in a sustainable way. So uh, around a year ago, we decided now it's uh, time to take this a step further. And we've uh, established a company called Selfion and um, uh, stepped in as the CEO for the company when we established last year. Oh, so cool, Liam. It's so new age and very topical. And it's so great that the business is built off a decade of research and whatnot. And I can't wait to dive deeper into the business and kind of the last year, imagine it to be a whirlwind as it always is. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, where did you grow up and how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Yeah, so um, I was uh, born and raised in the UK. So I was born in a small town just outside of York. Uh, so it's called Pickering. So um I was raised there for the first 18 years of my life. And during sort of my childhood, there was a lot of focus on football for me because I, uh, I played at quite a high level in the, the youth academy. And then I went on to play elite football for a couple of years before moving to Sweden at the age of 18. So during my childhood, there was a lot of influence, a lot of actual setbacks as well. So by the time I was 18 years old, I'd been released from three elite academies. So uh, when I moved to Sweden as an 18-year-old, it was sort of a career move to kind of keep within football and to keep on sort of chasing the dream of being an elite football player. After two years of uh, living in Sweden, I unfortunately suffered a, a range of serious knee injuries. So I actually went on to operate my knee a couple of times and it unfortunately put it into my football career at that point and which is when I began to look sort of into more the education side of things and started studying within business management and towards the end of my education I sort of got in touch with uh, the company Incubator here in Linköping which helped a lot of different startup companies come out from the research and the, a lot of startup companies in general really to really try to grow to a growth company. During this time, I actually got an employment with them working on one of their trainee programs where we actually worked with a range of deep tech ideas. So uh, we actually had a portfolio of 10 deep tech ideas where we looked into the different market and business potential for them. And at the end of this sort of six months, we decided that there was a couple of cases that were a couple of projects that were very, very interesting. So we actually went on to establish, and now it's actually been the case that two companies have been established from the 10 portfolios that we were focusing on. Oh my goodness. Wow. So many questions have spurred from this. And I want to kind of go back to your childhood growing up as an athlete. You know, I think when I looked into you and saw that you were a professional footballer, it just sparked so many things. I guess, what do you think being 
so elite at football at such a young age and kind of going through that, I imagine, rigorous training and all of that before even the age of 18. What do you think that taught you about yourself and the world around you? So I think um, in the UK, it's a little bit special, especially with football. It's it's a very disciplined industry. I mean, when uh, when I got my first sort of full-time youth contract was when I turned 16. So that was the point when we actually left school and went to play football full-time. And at this point, you know, you had to do chores. Being sort of one of the young professionals, you had to do different chores during your time. So it could be anything from coming to sweep the corridors and mop the corridors after the first team players, or it could be to clean the boots of them. You know, we got these little brushes and you had to clean their football boots after every single training. So there was um, a lot of discipline was taught quite early in life. And I, I think it's it's actually knowing what I know about sort of the, the elite industry now, uh, sport industry, and seeing about how it is for in business as well. There's a lot of similarities. And I actually learned quite recently that I think it's over 60% of the S&P 500 CEOs have had some form of elite sport background. So there's definitely some sort of connection that you can take from the elite sport background and apply it to the business side. Because, you know, especially working in team sports, there's a lot to do with uh, building up a team now as an entrepreneur. You know, you need to have the right people. You need to have chemistry. It was the same when you were playing on the pitch. And you had to sort of, you had to have a drive really coming up to any sort of elite level within anything. It could be within business. It could be within sport. You really have to uh, commit to it and you have to go like sort of the extra mile to make it happen. Where do you think that drive to want to go the extra mile at such a young age came from for you? Was that from your parents, do you think, or your environment growing up? Like, Where do you think that came from? And do you think it's something that we can cultivate? My parents were fantastic when I was growing up. I mean, when I signed for uh, Leeds United as a 14-year-old, we had to travel around uh, over an hour just single way to train them back every night. And we used to train four nights a week and one match a week. So my parents, my, my grandparents, my brother, and everyone sort of pitched in to help me get me there. So they, they really actually gave me so much support. But my father was a football coach as well, so he actually helped me and sort of pushed me a little bit towards trying to be better. But it was it was always kind of on the way that you can be a better player and we can work on your weaknesses kind of thing. So we would often sit and after pretty much every training when we're in the car on the way home and sit and review basically our training session that I just have. So there was, and there was a lot of critical feedback during that, but it, not in a bad way, but in a fantastic way to, to help us improve. So I think that sort of gave me the tools I needed now to know how to learn basically and how to, to keep on developing and how to take criticism as well when, when something maybe hasn't gone well in the way that you need to improve that that's gone badly. Oh, the criticism piece. I want to talk a bit about that because I feel it as entrepreneurs and as, you know, as first time founders and, and just ambitious people in general. I think we sometimes, at least myself, I don't really like criticism, you know, and I think the journey, this entrepreneurial journey has forced me to have to just deal with it and, and learn from it. You know, I can only imagine how rigorous that would have been for you with your father as a coach, you know, you know, as a football coach. And then kind of critiquing your every move. And I can only imagine as a child, it's amplified. You know, was there ever a time growing up where you just felt almost maybe even suffocated and like you perhaps couldn't forge your own path? And if so, you know, for our peers out there listening who may be experiencing a similar thing, you know, what advice would you give to us around, you know, taking on board criticism, seeing it as a positive where we can and kind of forging our own path? Yeah, I think um, I, n- I never really felt suffocated as my parents were also really great in the fact that they said that we'll support you no matter what you do. You know, you have to be happy in what you're doing because if you're not going to be happy, you won't succeed anyway. 
And I think, however, at some point in my career, I did kind of hit a low. I, I think when I was 13 years old, I actually quit football for six months because I burned out, basically. I'd spent from the time I was around seven or eight years old, around I was 13, training a lot, and then realized that I'd, I'd been released by one football club already, and I was just playing for the county at that time. And hit burnout, and basically I, I'd said, I just don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to wake up early on the Saturday mornings and travel to our uh, away matches that are a couple of hours away and give away our weekends. But after I'd stepped away for six months, it became very clear, okay, now I want to come back into this. And I think six months after back playing, that's when I actually went on to sign for Leeds. So that break probably actually did me the world of good, just to be able to relax, decompress, and then to, to build up the motivation and drive again to get going. But I think taking sort of criticism, one of the criticisms, as long as it's critical criticism, it's one of the best things you can get because it's all about development and you need to see it with that. So when somebody comes to you and says something, if they're, they could be, they're even irritated at you, you need to take a mindset where you say, okay, why is this person irritated? Uh, don't try to take things like too personally, basically. Try to look at it from a different perspective and say, okay, this person's maybe seen that there's something wrong. This person's maybe having a bad day. You know, they've maybe got something in their personal life or something. So when you get criticism, it could be because some people are one trying to help you and they don't really know how to help you. It could be that there, there's other external factors that are playing into it as well. So ask yourself sort of the question, what is it that's happening here? Why is this happening? Why are people giving me this feedback? How are people perceiving me as well? Because that's also really important, you know. When you do a lot of sort of self-assessment tests, you often find that the way that you perceive yourself maybe isn't the same way that somebody else is perceiving you. So you need to also like understand how people around you perceive you as well. At what point for you do you feel like your ambition changed from kind of that sport and wanting to be really elite footballer through to I actually want to be elite in the realm of business? You know, when did that shift happen for you? And, you know, for our peers out there listening who are unsure about what arena they want to be elite in, but they know they want to do something great, you know, what advice would you give to us around finding out which path to pursue? Yeah, so I'm, I've still actually got one foot in the door with the sort of elite football side as well. So I've actually gone as the assistant manager and player for a Division 2 side and where we're actually at the top of the league at the moment. So I've decided basically not to close that door completely. So I'm, I've kept in, but I've actually taken a different approach towards that now. Um, but my full focus during the days is completely on selfie on the company and trying to build this up. For me, it was all about where can I make the most impact? And I thought the best way to actually do that at the moment is help to contribute to one of the world's biggest problems at the moment. So it was quite an easy decision for me once I began to sort of read into everything that was happening with the climate change, everything that's happening with the the transition from fossil fuels to renewable energy and what different types of new technologies can actually make the difference. So it was really more of, I guess, something internally that was wanting to be a, a driving factor for me. A question I have for you is you seem very clear on your kind of personal mission and, and kind of what you want to do. You know, I remember five years ago when I started out that I wasn't clear at all. I had no idea, you know, what impact I wanted to make on the world. I knew I wanted to make an impact, but I had no idea what that meant. I didn't know what arena to play in. And I was just all around like very confused. For our peers out there listening who perhaps are in that space, you know, perhaps they're pursuing one path, but they're just not too sure if it's right, or perhaps it's not feeling right. You know, what advice would you give to us around determining what path we should take and kind of where it's best for us to leave or make our mark? 
Will we ever know? You know, do we ever know? So I think one of the the best things to do is to try. You might never know, or you might never get to know. But the the thing is, if you try different things and you you're curious enough to try different things and you're willing to do that, then you'll you'll eventually probably find out what it is you wanted to do. And if something doesn't work, you can always take a different approach. I mean, you should never quit on something that you're looking for, but you should take a different approach to something. This could be by taking a different job. It could be by looking into different technologies. It could be going from a sports career to a uh, business career. There's a lot of different things. So remember, like, at these sort of points as well, you're not alone. Talk to people about things. I mean, when you're sitting, like, your own ideas and your own thoughts too long, you begin to get basically tunnel vision. Things can really begin to feel quite compressed, you know. Get out and speak to people. You'll feel so much better for it. And that's one of the really things that I can say is that you know no one's ever alone and speak with the people around you that you know can help uh, speak with people from the relevant industries as well that you think is kind of interesting and find something that you believe in that's one of the most important things that you believe in what you're doing and you're happy when was a time where you felt most alone when I was living in Sweden I'd lived here for around three years and after the first operation I did rehab for around nine or ten months and during this time my my girlfriend who I'd met in the north of Sweden moved down to the south of Sweden to begin studying so I decided to move down with her but having only lived in Sweden for two or three years I wasn't very good at the language my previous contract had ended uh, so I was out of contract and uh, when I began to start playing football again after around, I think it was about 10 or 11 months, I was having shooting pains going through my knee. And at this point, I, I'd actually dropped down a couple of levels and I went in and just trained to just try to get going again and uh, realized that I wasn't going to be able to perform at the level that I did before. And uh, that kind of really struck me. And, um, you know, having worked, basically given up your whole childhood, basically focusing on this, it, it was one of the times that it, it really sort of struck me. So I remember that I, I came out of the arena one night and I just, I laid outside the arena and it just, it just hit me. And I just thought that's the end of the football career, unfortunately. So uh, I hit a pretty rough patch at that point because I was actually in the place where I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I I'd luckily started studying. Um, so I started going into a business degree which was the best thing that I ever did. I'd opened a new door by doing that. Yeah, it was a it was a tough period. How do we pick ourselves up when we're going through a really tough period like you went through? You know, how do we even find the motivation to go and study or to try and find a new path? You know, how did you find that within you? First thing again is you're not alone. Talk to people around you and get help with people, but for me, there was still something that was sort of inside and it was it was driving me. I knew that I wanted something more. I knew that I would find something. Uh, my mom was always great. She always said to me, once one door closes, another one will open. I always knew there was something on the, the other side. I just didn't know what it was. At that point, you know, it went into some pretty bad jobs. I, you know, I went to work in a factory working late nights, basically. Uh, so I used to cycle uh, on my bike around 10 kilometers to work, uh, work in a factory and then cycle home again that night. So it was always there that there was something more. Um, I always believed and I just kept thinking there, there's, you know, I went with an optimistic mindset to everything I did and I tried to do the best of everything I did. You had to sort of really dig deep at that point and just say, I'm, I'm going to do this. I believe in what I'm doing. Keep going kind of thing. Keep going even though I'm, I feel like I'm at the lowest point ever. I think that is such a tough time. I mean, whether it's at the start of a business and I want to ask a bit more about the business when the idea for Selfian sparked, you and your co-founders saw this opportunity. What were those first few steps that you took to really start to get it off the ground? You know, where was your head at during that time as well? 
we were very, very fortunate that we had so many people that were interested in actually helping us build up the company. It actually took us quite a while to get all the agreements and everything sorted. So it took us around um, six months to, to actually get the company started. But I was uh, incredibly nervous. I remember when we were sat uh, together with a couple of our co-founders and we were discussing who was going to take the CEO job. And I, I'd been the one that had basically led the project uh, before this and everything. But uh, when it was just to actually take the step and go up to the CEO role, I was actually very nervous because... You know, I was uh, quite, you know, young and I didn't know how to be a CEO, basically. So you, you learn as you're doing it. But before taking the decision, I sort of actually got a little bit nervous. But the day that we decided, I took the decision and it was just so clear. I said, OK, I'm going to do this and then let's not look back. And then everything kind of changed from that day. Uh, you sort of, you step up to the plate. So it was just about making the right decision, saying, let's do this kind of thing. If we fail, we fail. But we're, we're certainly going to try because we believe in what we're doing. How do we gain the courage to make those right decisions that even though they may scare us so much? Everything is worse when you don't have a clear picture or if you haven't made a decision. So uncertainty, you know, procrastinating, that, that makes everything worse. If you look at something, you analyze it and you make a decision, you'll stick with it. And that's something that I've been learning a lot quicker. We've been very fortunate that we got a board in that was actually really experienced. So we have sort of high industry CEOs and CTOs that have came into our board. And the way that they can take decisions so quickly was something that actually amazed me. And it's because you don't overthink the small things. And this is one of the biggest problems I think with people is that you need to basically make a decision, stick to that decision and believe in that decision. And uh, I think I read somewhere once that you, you make decisions quick and you change your mind slowly. Such valuable advice. So after you stepped up as CEO, and I know it would be a wild first year, but you know, what happened after that and kind of what did that mean for you personally, professionally, and for the business? And how did you work to kind of, I guess, learn on the job and lead the company to where it is now a year later? We got off to an incredible start, to be quite honest. We couldn't have asked for things to have gone much better than they have for the last year. So we've been very fortunate. I think uh, for me, you know, it was a case of learning on the job a lot. It was just about working hard and, you know, reading. And it was about knowing how to learn and how to learn the right things as well. I failed a lot now during the first uh, year as well, I can say. There's been small mistakes and everything. But um, as long as you don't let those mistakes go undone, there's no problem. Because we have this environment where it's okay to make mistakes as long as you fix your mistakes as well. During the first year, we have actually gone on now to win, I think, three or four awards. We were established in the middle of a pandemic, and now we're actually capital raising in the middle of basically a financial crisis, which hopefully within the next two weeks, that should be as well also finished. So it's not been an easy ride, but it's the same there. You've got to believe in what you're doing because it's not going to be easy. I mean, we've had basically, you know, crises along the way, and it's been tough. You know, you've you've sort of woke up and you've been so tired that you, you don't know what to do, but you've, you've just got to get up. You've got to believe in what you're doing. You've got to have that drive and you've got to know that things are going to get better if you if you keep believing you keep working hard such good advice what has been your greatest failure throughout your entire career and win to date i mean every single failure i've ever had has led me to where i am today so i don't know if you can ever say that any failure is a, a great failure i mean I think the one that hurt the most was probably when I was 16 and I got released from Leeds because that was a, a club that I'd loved for a long time. I'd followed them. I was actually a Leeds fan. And um, at 16, when my father got called into that meeting and they went and sat in, I got told to wait outside. And at that point, you just sort of knew exactly what was happening in that room. And 
he walked out and they just sort of looked at me and we walked out to the car and we just sat there in silence for about five minutes because you knew exactly what had happened and then it, that was the point when you know I just broke down. That was probably the one that really hurt the most, but at the same time, it's led me to where I am today. So looking back at it now, ten years later, it could have been one of the greatest things that ever happened because it means I can make an impact somewhere else now. One thing that I'm definitely learning from you and throughout your entire career, your business now, and also your football career, is that you're really great at reframing things. You know, from something that may be seen as a failure or or as a, you know, kind of a really bad moment to something that's more an opportunity or a learning, you know, how can we get better at reframing when we always have the opportunity to look at it as something really quite bad? So when things sort of go bad for me or when things maybe seem worse, I I actually try to look at a bigger picture. I actually have this thing that when things are feeling really hard, I try to take a step back and I try to just look at basically the world around me and you know you could walk through the street and you could say that person doesn't care about my problems basically because you know you could meet a stranger and they don't know what's happening in your world when i start to look at things from a bigger perspective i begin to think these problems they may be not actually as big as what i believe them to be which means that i can actually use them to learn from instead and to learn from the the different mistakes that have happened instead of seeing them as something personal to me that's going to get me down and I always want to learn something. So I, I always go with a very curious mindset towards things. So from a mistake is when you can definitely learn the most. So, so interesting, Liam. We could talk for days. This is so interesting. I am mindful of your time. So I've got a couple of final questions for you. And before I dive into them, you know, over the last year in, in business and 10 years of your career in football, you've received a lot of recognition for your work. And as you mentioned, you've won several awards and most recently you were featured on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. What are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? I think the one thing is to have a very clear vision, a very clear goal that you want to work towards. And I know that's not always easy when you don't know what you want to do, but it doesn't have to be the case of I want to work for this company or this company. It could be the case of I want to make an impact in people's lives or something and let that drive you. And I think that was something that I work more and more with now than what I maybe did for 10 years ago. So I wish that I had sort of had that perspective. I think the second one is that to be incredibly curious, ask more questions than you answer. So I think there was somebody that once said, you have two ears and you have only one mouth. So ask double so many questions as you answer. And that's basically the way that I always try to learn now is by, you know, you talk to people and you ask them as many questions as possible. And that's the way that you can take in as much information. Third one is definitely to get good people around you. Get people around you that believe in your ambition. They'll they'll challenge you as well. The best people will not always be the easiest ones to work with because they'll challenge you. They also have a drive behind them. They'll also want to improve. But as long as you have the mindset where you can work together on these challenging things, then having the right people around you is incredibly important. How do we go about finding those right people? It's not easy, but... For us, you know, we work a lot actually of references, to be quite honest. We, we, we speak with a lot of people and we say, you know, people that we trust. And then we, we go to sort of the people that they've recommended and then we sit down and we talk with them. And I think finding the right people isn't about finding someone that has exactly the same competence that you do. It's about finding somebody that can complement you in, in some way. So everyone that's working at Selfie on now, everyone has a different background, has different competence and they uh, they can contribute in a, a way that somebody else can't to the company. 
And so this is incredibly important. It's the same when you're building any sort of team. Don't look to build this team from the same people. Look to diversify as much as you can. Um, and so that's also an incredibly important thing to think about. Look, Liam, I just want to take a moment before I ask you the final question to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing, you know, for showing us and particularly us ambitious Gen Z millennials that if we can get clear on that vision, that goal and that dream, it is possible, although it may be very difficult to attain and achieve, we can get there. And for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you. Of course. So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, and that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? I think you can never put a price on that. I mean, if if you believe in what you're doing, if you're passionate about something, you'll love it. You'll you'll wake up every single morning wanting to do more, and you know that that's not something you can ever put a price on. So I don't think there is a value that you can put onto that. If you wake up every morning, you have a smile on your face, you you go to work, you love what you're doing, then then keep doing it, keep working hard, and greater things will come. And if you're you're waking up and you you don't love what you're doing, then sit down and just have a think, you know, talk about it with people. And there's always going to be another option. Just remember that this, you know, you're never ever sort of going to be stuck in one area. There's always going to be different options. So we'll look for that as well. Love it. Ah, oh, Liam, we've had an absolute blast. Where can we learn more about you and Selfion? Yeah, so, so you can uh, go into Selfion at www.selfion.se and you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Liam Hardy. And uh, yeah, please feel free to, to reach out if you have any questions or, or comments. Amazing. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again. It was so awesome. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. <laughs>